Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley Manta, the Canisexual, sitting in for Carol and David on this week's episode of the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. Are you ready to spice up your sex life? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. We are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. And we love talking about everything related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown, and we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex, because great sex matters and we all deserve it. Is your birth chart the key to unlocking your sensual superpowers? Today, I'm joined by Danny Santos, and we will team up for an exhilarating episode as we delve into the cosmic and earthly realms of relationships, sexuality, astrology, and cannabis. With my expertise in empowerment and intimacy and Danny's profound insights in astrology and plant medicine, together we will navigate the celestial dance of desire and the soothing effects of plant medicine on connection. Discover how stars and herbs align to enrich our relationships, deepen sensuality, and enhance our understanding of love's infinite dimensions. It's an exploration that transcends earthly boundaries and elevates your connection with the universe and the ones you love. As we do in every show, let me tell you about our must-have top waterproof blanket, which now comes in four reversible colors because no one wants to sleep in the wet spot. And Squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils, silicone lubes, and all other sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply go to Amazon and search for Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and order yours today. Great sex starts now. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and I'm Ashley Manta, the Canisexual, and I am so excited to welcome today's special guest. The integrative healer behind Santos and the Crystal Visions, Danny Santos guides clients through shamanic plant medicine journeys, astrological sessions for integration, and spiritual life coaching programs. Danny's approach is kind, compassionate, playful, and filled with the magic of his shamanic training. After studying ayahuasca shamanism for the last four years under a teacher in Oakland, California, Danny went to Peru in this past summer to receive the blessing from the indigenous Shipibo tribe to begin serving ayahuasca. Danny is also a certified breathwork instructor, sound healer, Reiki practitioner, and tarot reader, and has been studying astrology for the last 19 years. Danny is also the host of the Astro Daddy podcast. Danny, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh my God, I cannot be more thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Oh my gosh. So Danny and I met, God, what was it, like two years ago now? It might have been 
Yeah, about two years. About two years. And we immediately fell in love. Of course, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so for those who have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, will you share your origin story? How did you become a professional astrologer? What led you to become an ayahuasca shaman? Just tell us everything. <laughs> well, it's a real uh, rags for riches stories in terms of my confidence. <laughs> so I grew up, uh, my parents are both medical doctors, and there was a lot of pressure to become a medical doctor as well. And I just don't have the brain power for math and science and biology and all of those things. Um, so I started studying astrology at 11 years old, and just for fun, started doing it constantly. And I ended up getting into film school at the University of Southern California and studying in their critical theory program there, which is like studying film through the lens of philosophy, spirituality, um, psychology. And I started combining astrology with like archetypal psychology. And then beginning in 2020, I was once I graduated film school, um, that was 2017, I started working in entertainment, ended up getting fired from a slew of jobs in the entertainment industry <laughs> until Eventually, I started working on a TV show and then working as the personal assistant to the actor Darren Chris. Oh, so, my gosh. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I, worked, I love him. He was on Glee, right? <laughs> yeah. So I worked for Darren as his personal assistant for two years. Um, and then during the pandemic, like that job got kind of shut down. So I started uh, doing it, it didn't shut down, but I started working part time as an astrologer while also doing part time for Darren and doing my what I quoted my errands for Darren or my Darren's. So, <laughs> oh my so um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, I started studying ayahuasca shamanism in 2018, I believe it was 20, 2019. Uh, and the rest is history. Once I stopped working for Darren full time, I started Santos and the Crystal Visions. Uh, I've completed my ayahuasca training. And now I combined astrology, ayahuasca, spirituality. It's a one stop shop over here. Yes, it certainly is. So <laughs> why, what made ayahuasca the medicine that you were called to? What is it about that medicine that really speaks to you? So ayahuasca, so I'm an astrologer. Mm -hmm. And in my own personal birth chart, my like career sign is Scorpio. Mm -hmm. So when I'm saying this rags to riches in terms of my confidence, like I got fired, I was in the wrong field, like there was a major death and rebirth. And in my own birth chart, Scorpio being that career sign, Scorpio is the sign of endings. Uh, also sexual endings too, because it is the sign of sex. Yes. But when we look at um, shamanism and ayahuasca specifically, I'm developing kind of this uh, Bible of plant medicines that correlate with each zodiac sign. And mm -hmm. ayahuasca is a Scorpio. That's my career sign. So I like the psychological element. I like the fact that with ayahuasca shamanism, you're prepping people for trauma healing and going to the deepest wound and going to the underworld and the psychological, the, the shadows, the shame, the hidden. Uh, I call myself a trauma eater. When somebody's got trauma, <laughs> we're either going to flush it out or I'm going to take it in and we'll get rid of it together. Mm -hmm. So for those who maybe are new to the world of plant medicine and specifically, like maybe this is the first time they're hearing about ayahuasca. Can you talk a little bit about the plant itself and what a ceremony might consist of? Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, ayahuasca is what's known as an entheogenic uh, or an entheogen. So that's just a, the medical term for psychedelic, but it's a psychedelic that's used medically. So entheogenics would include like mushroom ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies, 
Um, and basically the intention behind doing an ayahuasca ceremony is you want to prep a, approximately a month beforehand. And ideally you're prepping longer because you want to work with somebody who's helping you getting those shadows or those traumas out in the open so you can start working on them. And then when you drink ayahuasca, it's actually a tea that's a combination of the ayahuasca vine and a plant known as chacruna. So the vine itself is what has the psychoactive elements in it, but it's only soluble to the human gut if this one vine is also cooked with the chacruna plant. So fancy way of saying that this psychoactive benefits of this plant can't access the body through the blood-brain barrier unless these two specific plants are cooked together. And <clears throat> someone like ancient times figured out that you combine these two plants together and it's going to cause like a witch's brew that gives you psychedelic hallucinations um, that cause you to throw up. Sometimes you, you know, have a little purge, a, a bottom purge, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and it cleanses the liver, the kidneys, the bloodstream. It's good for mental health. It's helping for veterans with PTSD, survivors of human trafficking, like this is a renowned tool. It's even like getting into some NFL players are like doing ayahuasca and that's making headlines. So it's very timely. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> the structure of a ceremony is, like I said, you want to work with somebody beforehand. Then by the time you're actually in the ceremony, the shaman is going to like bless every single person in the room. And then the ceremony begins and somebody will be singing in an indigenous language to call in the spirits, talk to them about what your trauma is and then help clear it <laughs> and there's vomiting and all that stuff in there yeah and how long does the ceremony usually last so ayahuasca lasts approximately um four to six hours on a longer ceremony it could go to eight but it's always done at nighttime because you want to be in that shadow world and that underworld kind of darkness vibe mm-hmm I love that. So I have sat for three ayahuasca ceremonies. And, as as you've told me. <laughs> and it was really profound. I was very grateful. Like I've seen people have very difficult ceremonies where they are like in hell battling demons kind of oh, yeah. experiences. Mine was very gentle. You're and lucky. I remember at one point, I know I am lucky. I remember at one point, like I kind of sat back and I put my like hands behind my head and like just reclined. And I'm like, this is amazing. I wonder what an orgasm would feel like. And I did. I had an <gasps> orgasm without even touching oh. myself. Like I just, the, the medicine was like, okay, here you go. You <laughs> what else do you want to try? And yeah. and by the, the, the third ceremony that I did, the medicine was like, okay, like, it's cool that you're here, but like, you're done now. Like, this really isn't your medicine. Like, this is not how you heal. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I purged for sure. You, what I found really interesting in the ceremony was that you offer gratitude when you purge, like our, our shaman instructed us, like, as we were throwing up to be like, gracias medicina, like, <laughs> like, thank you. And, and that when one person is purging, they're actually purging for the whole group. Cause you often do it in yes. a group setting. Absolutely. Yeah. The ceremonies can be anywhere from like four to 30 people. That's mm -hmm. kind of a general, I know some groups that do like 60, 70 people at once, but that's less personal at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, you want like a shaman who's going to be working directly on you who has maybe two or three helpers and you're all totally. in the same room. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the purging, you are thinking it because this is, it's uh, the, the plant has its own intelligence and it goes into the organs and into the psyche and like rewrites your DNA. And then you throw up all the stuff you don't need. 
Yes. I love that you said that because I just was so lucky to be part of the Oakland Psychedelic Conference in September. Oh my God, congrats. Thank you. I was, I felt very grateful to get to co-organize the um, sexuality and psychedelics track uh, along with Monica Cadena and Reggie Harris uh, from Oakland Hyphae like gave me such a powerful opportunity to get to do that. And, And one of the things that kept coming up over the course of the conference was like, these medicines are sentient. They are not, you're not just using them. They're, they are working with you in partnership, which means you need consent. You need yes. to be very respectful. You need to go in and not just treat this as another thing that you're consuming, but that's something that you are in relationship with. 100%. And when you were like, oh, I could have, I wonder what an orgasm would feel like. That's you giving like spiritual consent. Mm-hmm. You know, so the only time that it doesn't feel like consent isn't coming into play with an ayahuasca ceremony is when your own internal demons are coming up and then you're Mm -hmm. facing your shadow. So again, that's why it's important to have somebody before, during and after the ayahuasca ceremony that you're working with who can help navigate the trenches of your own darkness. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Not all ceremonies are going to be traumatic. Like I've had, I've done 64 ceremonies at this point over the last four years. I know. I really went deep into it. Um, And I've had some really incredible, beautiful, joyous, heavenly feeling ceremonies. And I've had being in the trenches of hell and facing my own shadow. But ayahuasca has helped me lose 55 pounds. It's helped me transform my relationship to dating, uh, let go of some really severe daddy issues that I had that kept popping up in my sex life, Um, definitely heal some trauma that I had, some sexual trauma and and other kinds of trauma as well. Like Mm -hmm. this is a magical spirit and it's a great teacher. So definitely recommend it. I love that. So grateful that you're doing this work and so grateful for your astrological brilliance. So, So to bring in a little bit of the astro daddy knowledge um <laughs> how does astrology influence like our sexual desires and compatibility and and can it offer insights into our most fulfilling sexual experiences absolutely i mean just to touch upon the piece about sex like astrology has a lot of uh it's multifaceted so if you've ever heard of like internal family systems or parts work mm-hmm. where we talk about the self being fragmented into many different parts I like to think of astrology as like a a blueprint to be able to learn yourself and Mm -hmm. what different parts are going on. So we've got Venus, the planet of sex and sexuality and pleasure and uh, Mars, which is all about getting what you want and actively like pursuing things and the moon, our vulnerable side, what's going to emotionally fulfill us. These different aspects of the psyche are all blueprinted out where the stars were at the time of your birth. Mm -hmm. So it's oh, fascinating. Yeah. So if somebody's kind of like new to birth chart, you know, people pretty much exclusively talk about sun sign. Sure. What are some other things they need to be looking at when they're figuring out both how astrology relates to their lives broadly and especially how it relates to sex? Yeah. When we're talking about sex specifically, like you need to know what you're looking for sexually. If, if, if it's purely just good sex, we always look at the Venus and Mars placements. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jupiter can also be a good one in there too. So for those of you who don't know, Jupiter just brings benevolence to whatever it's touching in the birth chart. So put benevolence on Venus or Mars, like that's going to be very sexy and, and very kind of spicy. Um, but something that's also worth noting is astrology 
I like to say your cosmos and another person's cosmos are going to directly slam into each other when you meet. So whatever chemical reaction happens, like the end is always present in the beginning. And astrology shows us like, here are your two individual parts. What do you cook up together? And how are you two going to respond to each other? So most interestingly, you can see birth charts when you combine two people together of people that are meant to be in an affair, or there's a, an age gap in the relationship, or it's a gay relationship, or um, is there going to be unfaithfulness? Is there going to be like all of these things that could be more taboo, you can find that in astrology compatible charts. Wow. So it's kind of cool. Like you have the, the, the key to just getting the answer, but it also takes away your own ability to just like maybe not overthink it and discern because mm -hmm. in astrology, you can have those difficult aspects, but if you choose to work on it and work through it, like nothing is insurmountable. I like to say. I love that. Yeah, because I think some people would see that and like, oh, I don't ever want to date a Gemini man because they're Trump. Like, you don't want to make those kinds of generalizations. Yeah, yeah. And like, even the most incompatible things in a birth chart can be surmounted should both parties be willing to work on it, totally. you know? But if you have a birth chart where it's like, this is an affair and that person's never planning on leaving their wife, like, you call a spade a spade. Right, exactly. <laughs> So people get very hung up on sun sign, but moon sign and rising are also very important, right? Why is that? Absolutely. So in astrology, <clears throat> the way I explain it, so everything I do tries to come through a psychological lens. Sure. So if you're familiar with Freud's theory of the ego, the id, and the superego, the sun sign would be the ego. It's like the sun happens to be the day that you're born. So your birthday is April 21st. Your sun sign is Taurus. Yes. And when we talk about the ego, it's just your personality, your external persona, the vehicle through which you're moving through the world. But when we think about the moon sign, this holds just as much weight or clout in the birth chart as the sun. Because now we've got the ego, the sun, going against what Freud would call the id, or what an astrologer would call the moon sign. Mm -hmm. So it's our instincts, our reactions, how we're responding to life. So in your birth chart, your moon sign is Virgo. So it's like, We've got that Taurus queen of sensuality and like beauty and pleasure and sex with this Virgo moon who's like the virgin, but also kinky and like desiring lots of sexuality and touch and getting to the technical side of sex too. Um, and then the rising sign is what we call the superego. So what an astrologer would call the rising sign, you know, superego. Uh, this is the part of ourselves that other people naturally view us this way. And it's how we are also like trying to develop ourselves more. So it's another major aspect of the personality, but you are cancer rising. So cancer, that's like the mothering sign, nurturing, sweetness, um, all about like helping people and, and loving on people, but also being super emotional. Mm. So to have this as your rising sign, people see you as like this mother figure, but you with that Virgo moon might feel more like, oh my God, I'm so anxious. And I, you know... <laughs> That's so real. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I so, love, okay. So we are going to deep dive. We're going to take a break and then we are going to deep dive into my chart in the next part of this episode. So everybody just hang on for a second. We are going to do a quick shout out to one of our show sponsors and we will be right back. This is the sexy lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta from Canisexual and we are talking with professional astrologer and ayahuasca shaman, Danny Santos. Stay there. We'll be right back. 
But right now, let's just tell everybody about Topless Travel and the amazing trips that we have planned for next year. Absolutely. And you know, Topless Travel offers the sexiest and most erotic vacation experiences ever. From Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and all the Bliss Cruise adventures, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Yeah, and of course, their trips are all about pushing boundaries and exploring your naughty side. And their exclusive sexy host couples like Jessica and Justin and Party Mark are always there to ensure that you have well a hell of a sexy vacation. Yep, and you know you'll find us on lots of the Topless Travel trips. Listen up. We're going to be back at Hedo 2 for their Swinging for Newbies event, April 6th to 14th, 2024. And listen to this. Topless Travel has put together a bucket list trip where we are going to be exploring the ancient pyramids of Egypt, followed by a seven-day riverboat cruise down the Nile. We're going there from March 2nd to 13th, 2024. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime adventure experiencing history with lots of sexy, open-minded, fun friends. Book now before it's too late. For more information about all their trips, visit toplesstravel.com to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And as a quick reminder, if you're looking for an open-minded online community to find compatible people and events in your area, go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. That's sdc.com and promo code 30314. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta from Canisexual, sitting in for Carol and David today. Now let's get back to our show with professional astrologer and ayahuasca shaman, Danny Santos. All right, my love, tell me everything. You have my chart. You know, Give people a taste of what it would be like if they were coming to you for a session with your expertise of you know, how does my chart influence my romantic and sex life and, and who I am and how I show up in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like looking at your chart. You've got so many interesting things going on. Um, First and foremost, when we talk about like astrology, you can't ever getting a reading with me. You can't ever escape this idea of like destiny. Yes. And moving towards what it is that you are trying to achieve on a soul level in this lifetime. So it's interesting because in your birth chart, your destiny sign is Taurus. So Taurus is the sign of stability, pleasure, sensuality, and beauty. And then we have the sun sign, or what we call the ego, directly on top of the destiny placement in your birth chart. (laughs) So if anybody's interested in learning their destiny sign, you know, you'd have to book a session. But if I were consulting somebody who has your placement or just talking to you, when the ego is on destiny, you're here to make yourself bigger in this lifetime. It's actually like, being a performer or being in front of people, being a personality, being someone that the world knows. So you're you're living very much this experience between hosting your podcast, doing your programs, media appearances, because your birth chart has already mastered in past lives being like a mother, being somebody who's nurturing other people, who's sacrificing yourself for the good of the group. This lifetime karmically, you're here to to make it about you. It's like Ashley's journey as opposed to anybody else. Love that. So, well, how do you feel like that resonates for you as we I, kind of look at this? I feel like that is very spot on. And I think even like early in my life, karma was letting go of those patterns and habits around sacrificing myself for the good of everyone else. Or uh, as I like to say, lighting myself on fire to keep other people warm. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That was a thing for like a lot of my early life into my 20s and even some in some of my early 30s. And now it's really been in the last like 
seven or so years that I've started to kind of step into my own power and like put myself first. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because the plant medicine associated with the Zodiac sign Taurus is cannabis. <laughs> so, and here you are, the canisexual, a Taurus with destiny in Taurus. And like, you've become a media personality. You're basically like the spiritual incarnation of cannabis as a, a media personality or as like a woman. That's magical. So, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And in your birth chart, you also have Venus, the planet of love, sensuality, and beauty in Taurus. So we've got Scorpio as your past life sign, Taurus as your destiny sign. Scorpio is the sign of trauma, what's under the surface, what's hidden. It's that thing that hurts or like that we're repressing. Mm-hmm. So you've lived that life where maybe you were the mother, but you've also lived the life of being the traumatized or having sexual trauma, having pain, having fear, having whatever it might be with destiny in Taurus and then Venus in Taurus. In this lifetime, it's a major part of your mission to learn how to have stable, sensual, pleasurable experiences. Mm -hmm. So any way that you can increase sensuality or drawing pleasure out, extracting as much pleasure as possible, it's it's literally in your chart. That's part of your mission this time because you know trauma, you're trying to develop pleasure. I feel that like, and, and in various medicine ceremonies that I have sat in, including my ayahuasca ceremonies and sitting with psychedelic mushrooms and, and with LSD, like the message I do keep getting from, from source, from the universe is like, you're here for pleasure. Like that is your job in this life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no surprise because like I said, ayahuasca falls under the plant medicine of Scorpio Mm -hmm. and Scorpio is your past life sign. You've kind of been there, done that for many lifetimes to be traumatized to be like overtaken by the darkness or in the psychological elements of things. It's actually greater growth for you as a human being and as a soul to find the light, to be in the overworld, to learn how to exist in the day rather than in the shadows. Yes. So (laughs) yeah, but the Venus and Taurus is like, that's a placement where sex is going to want to be, like I said, extracted or drawn out for as long as possible. I see a lot of clients who they're using essential oils, they're working with massage, they're they love herbs and plants. They're they're really bringing in the elements of nature because that's what Taurus mm-hmm. is about. It's about the overworld nature and bringing it into the sex life, putting on good music, having comfy pillows like Hell yes. And and I'm so about that life. I love the setting the scene and making my environment feel really luxurious and decadent. Yeah. And Venus is our our passive sexual nature. It's the ways in which we are not necessarily trying to initiate. That's how we like Mm -hmm. to receive. But Mars, everybody's got Venus and Mars because we all have a masculine and feminine component to ourselves. You've got Mars and Capricorn. So this is where Mars would be exalted or it's its most powerful position to be in all of the Zodiac. So your Mars is doing double duty. Like when you're horny and you want something, you're going to go get it. Yes. (laughs) So we've got the passiveness of this Venus and Taurus, like goddess energy. And then Capricorn, which is like on the, the axis of the devil or the heavenly father. It's like when Ashley wants it, Ashley's going to go get it. Right. I have a daddy thing, but I also channel some of that daddy energy. Yeah. 
but also having Mars in Capricorn, the father sign, you might just really like daddies. Like there's a sexual, like you want to get a daddy and get it fucking going. Yes. <laughs> we know that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in your birth chart, Capricorn also rules the relationship sector of your chart. So when it comes to relationship, you need somebody who's kind of able to hold the stability down. There's this like kind of fatherly nurturing kindness about them because you're coming in with that mama energy. So you mama needs daddy. You know what I mean? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But with Venus and Mars in your chart, they're actually very harmoniously aspected to each other. So what you're looking for, that's what Venus does in astrology and how you go after what you want, Mars, mm-hmm. they're compatible. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have less cognitive dissonance compared to some other people. Well, that's a relief. Yeah. <laughs> and when we think about astrology too, we always have to talk about the moon mm-hmm. because that id, what's going to emotionally fulfill you in this lifetime? To have it in Virgo, like you need to feel stable, secure. This idea that like the boundaries are communicated, you're happy to respect the boundaries, consent is queen, especially in a Virgo's eye. Um, but Virgo is just like one of the kinkiest signs of the zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know this because it's the sign of the virgin, but like the Catholic school girl is always the biggest, like she wants to get it going. Mm, you know it. You know, so we've got that that Virgo moon going on in your birth chart as well. And it's denoting like you're going to have high standards, but also mama wants to throw down. Mm. <laughs> That's real. I am I am a kinky bitch. And I'm realizing that like when I show up for another person and I start being very open and honest about my kinks and, and all the dark, twisty, hot, dirty things that I'm into it seems to give them permission to like tell me things that maybe they've never admitted to anyone. Maybe they're just like, Oh my God, this, I feel so like wrong saying this out loud, but I've always wanted to try this. Or I've always fantasized about that. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Give it to me. I'm like the little devil on your shoulder. (laughs) Oh, Oh yes. And that's also very Virgo too. It's like the technician. Mm. So combining that with the Scorpio past life placement of like knowing the trauma and the shadows, you'll be able to like sniff other people's shadow out. And then you're going to be like, how can we turn this into a kink? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which a lot of people might not be comfortable with. And then given that you're a Taurus and your destiny's Taurus, creating stability where there was trauma is your gift to the planet. Yes. So kind of an interesting energy here and these are all earth signs so you're going to be far more into physical touch pleasure the 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 actual act of sex rather than like merging the soul which you can do that you've got cancer rising in your birth chart but it's not an intellectual pursuit it's not an emotional pursuit it's it's a physical pursuit yes that primal kind of animalistic yes so how do you feel like this kind of resonates or where's the uh the direction that this kind of leads you a thousand percent this resonates it's really especially lately in the last few months i've been sort of i'm I'm calling it like a new superpower is you know i have trauma in my past and it has always fucked with me a lot like thinking about it hearing about other people's like it, it would stir me up and lately it's like i flipped a switch and all of a sudden my trauma turns me on and like Ooh. I have, I have eroticized my trauma so that it doesn't 
And, you know, that's not to say that everyone should do that or that it makes it okay that it happened to me or any of those things, but like, it feels so nice. Like it feels like such a relief to not have to constantly worry about getting triggered by something or seeing something that upsets me. And instead I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to use it as, as fuel for turn on. And yeah. I'm going to fantasize and I'm going to, I'm going to reclaim my power by putting myself back in the driver's seat. Absolutely. And I know you're familiar with my work with the Pleasure Positive Project. So yes. some of our mutual friends, um, Lisa Ryder from Genius Low C and Nadez from Pleasure Science. Shout out, ladies. Yes. Um, we've done a few different erotic events and we have one titled The Erotic Shadow. Mm-hmm. And we talk, I mean, I gave a lecture about how when it comes to human sexuality and trauma, what the brain does is it tries to turn your pain into pleasure. So whenever we have like traumatic things that happen to us early on in childhood, those things sneak into the psyche. And look, Scorpio is the sign of like eliminating your trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's also the sign of sex. So it's no surprise that sex and orgasm is actually one of the best ways of maintenance trauma healing. So totally. through masturbation, through sexual contact with somebody, getting that kink scratched, like getting that trauma itched, whatever it is, this is one of the best ways, turning that that pain into a sensual sexual experience. Absolutely. You know, one of my first memories of meeting you is we were at uh, our friend Nicoletta's uh, ranch reboot event and you were doing uh, sound healing, which was so good. And oh, you did like a past you. life regression. You were fit. Y'all like work with Danny. You will not oh. be sorry. It's so good. But I remember going up to you and handing you my chart that was pulled up on my phone and you looked at it for not even like five seconds. And you look back at me and you're like, your mom's an alcoholic. And I was like, <laughs> Where does it say that? <laughs> well, there's some trauma with the mother. You know, I wasn't going to air your dirty laundry on. Uh, Please bring it on. <laughs> you know, the way that the moon is aspected in your birth chart, the moon represents the relationship to the mother. It's in a very hard aspect to the planet Uranus, which is chaos, unpredictability, instability. Mm-hmm. So that will often show a mother who is either an addict or severely traumatized, who's just unstable on some level. Mm-hmm. And then we can also think about like the moon, if it's your instincts, you inherited your mom's anxiety from her alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So and that would be that Scorpio South node, the trauma. And this lifetime, right. you're here to ameliorate or to transmute that darkness into light yes and one of the best ways for you especially with your birth chart cannabis yes media making yourself bigger like getting out of the trauma of your mom's shit and Mm -hmm. the family lineage and just being yourself and loving your life yes oh i feel that you know and this is how ideally if somebody were coming to do an ayahuasca ceremony with me I'd like to go over their birth chart with them first and Mm -hmm. combining archetypal astrology and psychology to then guide somebody through the astrology or excuse me, through the uh, ayahuasca shamanic journeying. Like these two things go hand in hand in my mind. Definitely. You know, so it would be best to to get these kind of systemized programs because then you have the integration before, during and after. Mm. That's so important. And I'm so glad that you said that because I feel like plant medicine and psychedelics and sex are so similar in that way that the more work you do going in, 
the more present you are during and like intentional you are during, and then the more you focus on integration and aftercare, the better experience you're going to have, the more you're going to grow from it and, and look back and go, that was a really, really good use of my time and energy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, like you said, preparation for sex or for, you know what, doing an ayahuasca ceremony is a lot like having sex. You're getting in there, you're, you have a certain level of intention or expectation going in. Do I just want to come tonight? Do I want to create intimacy and vulnerability? Do I want to ayahuasca ceremony heal my trauma? Do I want to have a nice trip? Is there going to be leather play? Are we going to do wax stuff? Like, you know, it's good to have an intention. It is. Intention is everything, whether it's sex or, or ceremony. Um, and of course, like there are going to be that those awkward moments, like so-and-so's puking next to you in the ayahuasca ceremony, or, you know, somebody's topping you and then like awkward noises slip out of the body and it happens. <laughs> it happens. And that's, there's room for these kind of like nuanced things to happen, yes. but the intention is always the anchor to return you back. If you're having yes. a hard time during sex or ceremony, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I here? Yes. Oh my God. Exactly that. And what just popped into my brain is a lot of people listening to this are non-monogamous. So as they are examining their birth charts, are there specific aspects they can be looking at to inform how they approach non-monogamy and what kinds of partners to look for? Yeah. The birth chart will show whether or not somebody would be happier in an open relationship. So in my birth chart, I keep trying to be monogamous and my birth chart is like, yeah, right. Like (laughs) for me to be with just one person, anytime I do try to attempt monogamy, it's with somebody else who's connected to somebody else. Mm. So it's the aspects we see Venus and Uranus coming into place with that. And you actually have one of these aspects in your birth chart. These two aren't touching each other uh, or well, they're in an aspect. It's known as the in conjunction where they're not talking to each other properly. Mm. So for you, it might have taken you a while to recognize that you actually are non-monogamous. It did. You know, and once you actually connect those points, you're going to have a lot more satisfaction sexually, romantically, because then you're not trying to achieve something that you're like suppressing from yourself. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. So we can think about like between couples if there's heavy Uranus aspects, especially to Venus, Mars, or the moon, these are things where it's like, this person needs freedom. Yes. Also, a lot of Aquarius in the birth chart, because that's the sign of kind of being like open, you know, the ethical slut can go under this archetype. For sure. Um, and then the third thing is also like, there's what's known as a composite chart where you combine one chart to another chart and then seeing aspects between uh, Uranus showing up in there as well are going to denote like, is this relationship destined to be an open one? Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've done sessions with clients where I was like, you should it would probably be happier in an open relationship. And the responses, I had one couple that was like, we've actually been considering it. And like mm-hmm. hearing this is opening the door for us to, to like explore that a little bit more. And another couple where one, one of the partners wanted it and the other one didn't. And since they, I've done that session, they're actually coming undone because of the non-monogamy piece coming in. So astrology will show you like what, what dynamic is going to be most conducive to these two people staying together. Totally. And it's communication. I mean, you're going to know, like, why don't you say some stuff about ethical non-monogamy and like the communication element? 
And so I shall. But first, let's just remind everyone that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta from Canisexual, sitting in for Carol and David today. And we are having an amazing discussion with professional astrologer and ayahuasca shaman, Danny Santos. But now, let me tell you a little bit about who I am and what I do. I am a sex and relationship coach, and I am the creator of Canisexual, which is all about mindfully and deliberately combining sex and now broadly altered states to deepen intimacy and enhance pleasure, whether solo or partnered. I'm also so excited to share that I've recently teamed up with licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist, Dr. Shannon Chavez, to offer concierge therapy and coaching for an exclusive number of clients. If you are curious about that, visit our joint website at drshannonchavez.com slash concierge and get in touch with us. We will also be in hedonism in January at the Be Better at Being Bad week hosted by Naughty Jim. So definitely visit be better at being bad through the Naughty Gym website. Use coupon code Manta BBBB and come play with us in Jamaica. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta. Now let's get back to our show with professional astrologer and ayahuasca shaman Danny Santos. So, Danny, before we took the break, we were you were asking about like ethical non-monogamy and the things to think about. And I think one of the most important things that I see when couples come to me and they're like, we're thinking about opening up our relationship is that non-monogamy is not a band-aid much in the way that like plant medicine is not a band-aid. It is not something that is going to magically fix all of your problems. If anything, it is going to make your problems very vivid and visible so that you are now kind of forced to pay attention to them and, and to look them square in the face. You can't hide from them. All of the insecurities, all of the stories, all of the areas where trust is a little bit bumpy, they are going to be in vivid relief um, when you start introducing non-monogamy into your relationship or plant medicine into your life. And so it's not something that you should just do kind of haphazardly and like, oh, let's just, you know, let's just randomly go to a thing. Let's just randomly like have a threesome with some chick we met at a bar and like not do any kind of talking beforehand or planning or, or let's just say we're opening up the relationship because somebody cheated. And the only way that we can stay together is if that person has the ability to like let their freak flag fly. And, and like, that's not to say that it can't work, but you are going to be playing that game on hard. Like that's, it's going to be so much better if you are coming into non-monogamy from a stable place in your relationship where there's a lot of trust and a lot of openness and communication and that you are feeling really grounded in your connection before you bridge out into other people, like bringing other people into your sphere. Because anytime you add more energy, like that's, those are variables that you now have to kind of navigate. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. Like when you're um, navigating the ethical non-monogamy space and how it makes your problems bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, why do people do things like, like mushrooms and ayahuasca? Because it, it makes your issues bigger. It makes you yeah. look at what's, you know, why are we experiencing problems in our day-to-day lives? And the plant medicines will put it right in your face. Ethical non-monogamy is also like a plant medicine in this way. Mm-hmm. So just seeing that there's, there's, your issues are going to be amplified, especially if you're in the bedroom with somebody and there's like an awkward energy between you and the third or you and your partner. 
this is where intention comes back into play. You can view the threesome as an ayahuasca ceremony as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the preparation, the intention, and then the integration before, during, and after. Yes. And maybe you and I should come up with like some kind of class or program on this. We athlete. should do that. <laughs> because because this would be really brilliant to get people so that they can have better sexual experiences. And there's it's like landing the plane so much smoother. Yes. Because otherwise it's just it can really turn into chaos. It can. Like you really can can introduce a lot of tumultuousness into your relationship if you're doing things just kind of haphazardly and not really thinking about the repercussions of of what this means. And what I see a lot, and you know, I hate to generalize, but you, you know, sometimes stereotypes exist for a reason. And in this case, like I've seen heterosexual couples where the guy wants to open up the relationship because he thinks he's going to get a lot more ass. And all of a sudden she is out there getting a different date every night and he can't find a single person who wants to sleep with him and he's like wait wait hold on i don't like it anymore like this sucks i i've vastly overestimated my market value (laughs) like all of a sudden i'm confronted with the fact that like oh my partner is super desirable and like in demand and i'm kind of not oh shit yeah and there also brings in the factors of like a lot of changes and shifts that will happen when people do start opening the relationship up like I've had it on two separate occasions. There was a a heterosexual couple and the woman was dating tons of women and the guy wasn't getting a single date and he was being patient about it, but you could tell that he was frustrated about it. And uh, then there was also like some really intense insecurity about his dick size too. And then how, how, like, so that was also coming up for him, but like, look, they opened their relationship. And all of a sudden, his biggest insecurity was in his face. And so I've also seen it where I had a queer couple. There was a cisgendered male and uh, a trans man together. And they, it started off with the, the trans man just going on tons of dates, men, women, other trans people. Um, and then the cisgendered man having like one. So we're, we're definitely like, it's something to be mindful of. If you're going to get back out there in an ethical non-monogamy relationship for for a lot of cisgendered men it's going to be especially cisgendered straight men a little bit harder a lot of the time to get the ball rolling Mm -hmm. so this is where getting on the apps kind of it's like dating all over again like like putting yourself out there and get your fucking birth chart read so you know what's going on yes yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know. I think that the ethical non-monogamy piece being compared to the psychedelic experience is something that that we could definitely afford to expand on more and, and kind of dive into that. Yeah, if y'all are uh, interested in that, definitely hit up Danny and I. We're gonna we'll put together some kind of workshop or something. I think, I think that would be really good. <laughs> we're gonna have to create something here to that and like yes. teaching people the basics of like life is the ceremony. Mm-hmm. So whether you're walking into ayahuasca shamanism or a threesome for the first time or going on a double date with like a, a swinger couple that's going to be hot and fun, like, let's talk prep. <laughs> yes, let's talk prep. Also, as just like a little side quest, can we talk for just a second about mm. cisgender men's preoccupation with penis size? 
Oh, you know, I have seen it in my business a couple times because I do the spiritual coaching as well. And <laughs> you can even like solve the problem and the person can be with somebody who like doesn't mind their penis size. And it's still, it comes down to a self-esteem issue at the end of the day. Yes, it definitely does. You know, like it's, it's not the, it's not the, the size of the wave. It's the motion of the ocean. For reals. And it's also like the understanding that your dick is not the star of the show mm-hmm. like especially I, for women a lot of the time oh my god totally like i love getting penetrated don't get me wrong but i also one of my partners actually two of my partners are too big for me where like we have sex and i feel like i just got fucked by a cheese grater <laughs> and like <laughs> apologies for the visuals y'all but like seriously like i have to literally ice my pussy afterwards and it's like yeah. there is such thing as too much of a good thing and like i was talking to a woman on instagram cuz i had posted about this cuz this keeps coming up of like guys being really insecure about their penis size and thinking that like all women want like porn star dicks. And she's like, absolutely not. Like I have a really tight pelvic floor and I have pain with penetration. Like I pray for guys who are smaller. I wouldn't want a guy that's more than like five inches and that's super thick. Like I need somebody who is more appropriate to my body's comfort. And like guys don't even like it doesn't register that that's a thing for women, that women want to be comfortable. They don't just want to get pounded by the biggest dick in the room. Yeah. And I will say over the past like couple weeks, I've been going on some dates, <laughs> hooking up with a couple guys here and there. And with both of them, I was the bottom. And the first guy, way bigger, mm-hmm. felt good. We had some good chemistry. Second guy, not very big. Mm-hmm. The sex was better. Yes. And it's like, look, I love a good size. Don't get me wrong. But like this dude was like maybe slightly below average. And I was like, oh, my God, the pheromones, the confidence, the kindness, who is nurturing, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just something to be said about like stepping in and owning what you've got. Absolutely. And and for sure, if anybody wants to be the giver of anal and you think you want to have a big dick, like... (laughs) Listen, those two things, they're not completely mutually exclusive, but it's not necessarily the smoothest walk in the park. Canadian daddy and I have been together for almost a year now and he has never put his dick in my ass and I like anal. So like, (laughs) you know, you don't always want to be so big that that it makes certain things hurt enough to be like prohibitive. Well, and if there are men out there listening to this that are like insecure about the dick size, like unfortunately that's what you got. So you got to learn how to use what you got. Exactly. Yeah. Stop wishing for it to be bigger or like, just get awesome at other things. Get awesome at using what you have. Like up your like toy game, maybe Mm -hmm. work on like some more rimming stuff. Rimming hands. Yes. Ashley Manta queen of the hand job. Like, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like, and that there's... came from the fact that i'm bad at blow well i'm not bad at blowjobs but i don't like come in my mouth and i have a high gag point so like i so keep working with the what kind you got. Of, i work with what i got i don't try to force myself i don't like push myself to a point of discomfort i get good at something else that i'm really confident in and i will go up to anyone in the world and be like i will fucking rock your socks off with my hand jobs i don't care who you are well it's like it's really i feel like people are just kind of like 
for a long time have been like, eh, hand job. And the way that you talk about it, the way that you have brought my attention back to it, like it upped my hand job game. <laughs> um, and then there's other fun things you can do too, like the the honey head situation. If you're like bringing in a little bit of honey and getting sexy down there, and like, there's just ways to be creative and innovative. You can be working with maybe some hardware that's not the biggest in the world, but it's the software, baby. It's the ideas. It's how you're using it. Mm. You know, gay men, <laughs> gay men. Gay that's men. right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Name of the daddies, the twinks, the trans and bears, gay men. Amen. <laughs> uh, for those of oh us, who, those who can't see us, which is all of you, we just crossed ourselves in the uh, Catholic fashion. <laughs> Instead of saying amen, we say gay men. That's right. <laughs> uh, but to just a, the top button on our last point there, the mind is the biggest sex organ. Yes. You know, so if you can really, it's like if you're letting your dick size prohibit you from having the best time possible, that's a self-esteem blockage. And that's something that can be worked out with things like plant medicine, ayahuasca ceremonies. Even astrology will help us talk about it. That is actually what I was just going to kind of bring us back to. So like when it comes to astrology, the sort of like three-way Venn diagram, right? Of astrology, plant medicine, and sex. Like yeah. how do they all work together? What can people, you know, you, you mentioned that um, ayahuasca is a Scorpio sign yeah. and, and cannabis is a Taurus. Like what are some other plant medicines that have astrological um, equivalencies? Sure. So uh, there's a whole list of like jungle medicines that you can take, but anything that's going to be a purgative um, that's going to like help cleanse the body is always like a Scorpio kind of energy. Um, we have plants that you can work with um, that will work on like integrity and helping you be more whole in yourself. And those would be like a Sagittarius kind of medicine, like mushrooms, Sagittarius, mm. because Sagittarius is like make it bigger take it further how are we going to amplify this as much as possible and mm -hmm. amplification can be good or bad depending on what the subject matter is totally um now sex and sexuality fall under the zodiac sign scorpio as well mm -hmm. uh sensuality like the the experience of maybe foreplay and those kinds of things would be more of a taurus way of being for sure um, and then like sex where it's like very verbal, mental, cerebral, that's more of a Gemini kind of experience. Ooh, yes. So, you know, you can go through the archetypes of each of the Zodiac signs and uncover what's their sexual style. What are they attracted to? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're, maybe you're one sign and you're attracted to somebody else. I always like to tell my clients, anytime we're attracted to one sign of the Zodiac, there's something that person has that you haven't developed in yourself yet. Hmm. and attraction having sex with somebody i believe is like the soul's way of trying to like literally take in the energy of what you're looking for <laughs> and becoming it yes so virgos are kinky or or virgo the, the is, is a kink sign yes. um, how about like more like tantra energetic oh we're going to definitely look for pisces with that mm -hmm. one um, mm -hmm. pisces is the sign of orgasms it's my sign uh, and fun fact, the most I've ever came by myself was 15 times in a day and with a partner nine times. Damn. So there's definitely that Pisces energy, but it's the sign of connecting the soul. Mm. So we're going to see tantric sexuality really come best through the water signs of the zodiac. But Pisces will probably be the most connected because Tantra is about taking mindfulness and bringing the practice of stillness, connecting spirit, connecting energy and bringing that into sex. Wow. yeah 
And just to answer your question about the intersectionality mm-hmm. uh, between astrology, plant medicine, and sex, um, I like to think, you know, my motto is life is the ceremony. Yes. It's everything we do needs to be ritualized and respected. And astrology is kind of like using x-ray vision. What's really going on underneath the surface? What is the person's habits, their moods? What are their sexual desires? What are their shadows? And plant medicine and sex are going to be things to use as teachers. So whatever is going on internally, whether you're having sex or, or a ceremony, ayahuasca mushrooms, this is like, it's the theory versus the practice. Because astrology will tell you what's going on. Plant medicine and sex are going to be arenas where you actually have the opportunity to navigate and unpack. And then you go back to astrology to reintegrate it. And the plant medicine can also help reintegrate it. But they're just different arenas where we're kind of playing for self-discovery. I think that's so valuable. And and you also are a tarot reader in addition to everything else. And so I feel like, you know, astrology and tarot have a lot of of entwinement and yeah. for people who are kind of new to divinatory tools like tarot and oracle decks like you want to give just like a little quick here's what you should know or yeah. might be helpful if you want to explore a little bit of tarot yeah so you know everything i do tries to come through like an archetypal psychology lens so carl Jung talks about this concept of synchronicity that all events in humanity everything that unfolds was interconnected it's we're all interwoven So if you're going to a tarot deck and you're going to pull a card out of that deck, basically that card was meant for you in that exact moment. So tarot is like a tool for prediction. It's a tool for uncovering shadows. Um, Very similar to astrology. You can kind of predict what's going to come next based on what archetype is coming forward. Like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde on this day. So it's not a good day to get married. Or, you know, you just pulled the tower card, which is the card of like new beginnings and destroying what was before. And you just got into a new relationship. So it's like your old life is dying. Um, my work is all about using archetypes, metaphors, and different modes to help uncover people's shadows. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Freud used to use tarot with his clients and Carl Jung as well. And the idea of like your unconscious mind is going to run the show until you heal it. Mm-hmm. It's very true. So you can actually change your fate by changing your vibration to heal yourself. Yes, you can. <laughs> it makes such a difference. Like it's, I think arming ourselves with this knowledge to have these tools, like not everything is going to speak to everyone and that's okay. Like if, if, if astrology doesn't resonate with you, if tarot doesn't resonate with you, if plant medicine doesn't resonate with you, like that's all fine. But like to know that those tools are available to you and that you can go out and have those as just factors to consider. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a trauma healer. That's really what my business comes down to. So I work with sex and plant medicine and astrology and tarot and breath work. I I do all of the things, Mm -hmm. but like you're a sex coach, you work with cannabis, you teach people about the plant medicine of cannabis. We're doing the same thing. Totally. We're just doing it from a a different point of view. Yeah. You've got your tools and your strategies and definitely, you know, a good healer is going to have their toolkit. 
and a good lover is going to have theirs. Oh, baby, don't right? get started. Like, <laughs> having things that you're not going to use the same tools in every situation. You need to pick the right tools for a given situation. But to have a bevy of options is really going to set you up for success. Because if you try to hit every, you know, if you, what is it? When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you can't just use the same tool for every single situation because it's not going to work out that way well like sometimes you need a scalpel and sometimes you need a battering ram (laughs) it's so funny you're saying this so i teach a spiritual life coaching program where i teach people the 12 signs of the zodiac and how you can shape shift into whatever sign Hmm? so week number six is virgo week and this is your moon sign in your birth chart and i teach people virgo is the sign of like all right we're we're six weeks in you've already learned six of the tools of the zodiac like virgo is the sign of discernment it's having good judgment, knowing when to use which tool when. And you can't, yes. you, everything can't be a nail all the time. Yes, exactly. So it's funny because your instinct there, your moon sign is Virgo. And you already, you've got discernment down. You know that there's a lot of tools and you can't use the same one again and again. Not. <laughs> got to use the right tool for the job. And right, so, baby. you know, as we start to wrap, like, what are a couple of just like key points that you really want people to take away from this conversation that we just had? Sure. Uh, so again, my name is Danny Santos. I do Santos and the Crystal Visions. What I want people to know is there are a lot of different, <laughs> I like to say there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. <laughs> I have a, an old mentor who used to say that. But if you're looking to heal yourself, know that there's so many different avenues to do it. And sometimes the most novel experience can be the kind that heals you the most. So if that means like getting your tarot cards read or working with plant medicine, ayahuasca, cannabis, like a lot of my clients find success because we're approaching things from a more magical and spiritual point of view. So you can use astrology to help uncover your trauma. You can then use it to also prep yourself to do a plant medicine ceremony. And then you need somebody to work with before, during, and after your experience in order to fully integrate what you learn. Yes. Perfect. That was so fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing information. Now tell people how they can find your work online, on social media, and your website. Sure. So you can follow me, um, the Astro Daddy podcast. I'm on all of the places podcasts are found, especially Spotify and Apple podcasts. You can follow me on TikTok at Astro Daddy podcast. Uh, my Instagram page is at Santos Crystal Visions. And if you want to reach out to me directly, please feel free to email me at santosastrology at gmail.com. I would love to work with anybody interested in learning more about plant medicine, sex, astrology, tarot cards, this archetypal psychology, whatever, you know, if you're interested, reach out. I'm, I'm your guy. Hell yes. If you missed any of that information, just go to thesexylifestyle.com where every guest has their own guest page with all of their information. You can even contact them there if you have questions about their work. Wow. The end of another great show with another amazing guest, Danny Santos. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my God, it's my honor, Ashley, and love you. And I love this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, I love you. And a special thanks to you for listening week in and week out. As a reminder, you can find me on Instagram at canasexual on my website, ashleymanta.com or canasexual.com or my online courses at elevatedintimacy.com. 
Tune in again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. That's it for our show today. On behalf of Carolyn David, I'm Ashley Manta, sending you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe, and of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. <laughs>